We've developed an amazing community around the podcast, in the Facebook page, and there's been so much incredible interaction. And one thing that I'm hearing is is little pieces of a lot of great stories. And we thought what we could do here is bring those stories to you all. This is Pain Refrain. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Pain Reframed. While the concepts that we talk about on the show are important, I think that even more important is hearing the actual victories from the field. So how are people using this information to actually change people's lives? Like on a very structural standpoint, how are they how are they organizing their hospital setting or how are they organizing their clinic and what providers are they interacting with and what messages are they giving their communities? How are people bringing this information to life to actually reframe the way that our country looks at pain? Well, I tell you what, I reached out to our Facebook group and we got just a bunch of hands that went up in the stories that we recorded recorded over a couple hour period were just incredible. So we're going to break those up and just share all of those with you um, and let you kind of take those into your own practice, take those into your own community, give you some ideas for marketing, for networking, and all the different ways that you might be able to make this stuff applicable to you and your current professional life. So this really is a message from our colleagues, from our listeners, from our friends, and we hope that you enjoy it and find a lot of value. Our first guest today, is Julie Hughes. You and I really haven't talked much as far as getting a background on this. So can you let me know and let the listeners know kind of where you're at and, and what you're up to and how you're incorporating pain science and just kind of give us a download. I am a physical therapist and I just recently in the last year started my own business and I'm a pain recovery coach. So I am just working one-on-one with clients who have ongoing pain or persistent pain. So it's been really exciting because I feel like it's it's really a need to just be able to work one-on-one with somebody through this journey, really. That's awesome. So, so Julie, how are you finding these patients? It's been a little tricky. You know, right now it's word of mouth. I am on social media, so I do um, have a presence there just to let people know what I'm doing. I am also doing presentations. So I'm speaking out in the community because I really think that's where I need to start in my own community. So I'm reaching out through different groups and organizations and just talking about pain and having people maybe rethink it a little bit and engage with other options. And that has really been awesome. People are really excited to, I think, hear this. I was really nervous to talk about some of these things because it is new and it's evolving right all the time. But when I have been doing this, a lot of the individuals who come are really excited. And I think it gave them more hope that there is something different that they can they can shoot for, that it, they don't need to continue down the same road, especially if it's not changing for them. Their, their pain isn't improving. What are the actual mechanics of that? So are you like just advertising in the newspaper and, and on social media, like, hey, if you're struggling with pain, I'm going to be at the library or, or where are you doing the talks and kind of for other listeners in rehab professionals yeah. who, who want to reach out, what's working for you? Currently, like I said, I just started doing this. So I've done a, a talk at our public library. So that's where I've really accessed. I mean, that's where I've gotten most of my clients is through this speaking presentation. And so the library advertised for me on their platforms and um, their flyers and their newsletters. And then I did the same. And then I'm currently talking to some other organizations. Actually, it's a it's an eatery 
I don't know if you've heard of Core Life Eatery, but nice. I've been talking with, yeah, I've been talking with them because this really all ties in, you know, nutrition and pain. And, and so talking with them to see if this was something that I could, would help their customers, you know, bringing this information into their, their eatery. So I'm in the process of doing that and also just reaching out to other healthcare providers who have, I guess, a similar mindset. So I'm reaching out to massage therapists and psychologists and social workers to see how can I help them? Can we collaborate together to bring this information to just more people in the community? So that's where I'm sort of in the the stages here of of doing (laughs) I love it. When you do see patients in this mm-hmm. one-on-one setting, you know, what are you focusing on? Is it a lot of therapeutic neuroscience education? Is is it more of like a of a broad cognitive functional therapy approach? Like, like what exactly are you mm-hmm. doing that maybe is different than what traditional PT has offered these folks? Yeah, yeah, cuz you know, I've been in traditional PT. I've been a PT since 2006. So, I am like, oh yeah, this is this is way different than traditional, you know, because I, I have the time to sit down and first hear their story. And it may take them an hour, but I give them that time. And I am thankful for that because I don't think I was able to, I wasn't able to do that. And so I'm really glad that I can just sit and listen and really understand them and know where they're coming from. And then we, we start to just get an idea. What are they looking to do? do what do they want more of in their life or what? Maybe they need more of. We'll talk about that. You know, Adrian Lowe's education system has really helped. So I have that if that works for that individual. But then I also have the Explain Pain Handbook, the Protector Leader. I have those resources to draw from if that individual would rather read and go through that. And I'll go, we'll work through it. I'll give them a little bit of homework. They'll come back. We'll discuss. We'll talk about it. But again, it's very individualized. A few of my clients are not ready for that, and that's okay. So we'll look at, you know, sleep is really a problem. I know sleep is a big thing right now with several of my clients. So we're really just focusing on that. Let's just focus on sleep and how can we get better sleep. Instead of, like, drawing from so many things, like, yes, they, they want to move more, and yes, they want to exercise more, but, but they really need to be sleeping. So we try to just with one thing and focus on that to get them some wins, you know, to give them confidence and, and to see some change, real change. You know, again, just depending on the individual, we make sure there's at least one goal that we have that we're working towards. So sleep is big. Let's look at some goals, focusing on one at a time and planning that progression. Julie, with sleep, are, are you measuring that? Are, are you measuring that with the PSQI, the Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index, or do you have another yeah. way? Of, is that what you're using? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm using. And then if I think they need to fill out like the sleep, there's a form for sleep apnea. Like if we mm-hmm. think they have that, okay, do you have this? And let's link you up with who you need. And, and you know, and I will be honest, I've had a few clients where, you know, if you're familiar with the dims and the sims, you know. They have a lot of dangers. They're way more than I am maybe able to help them with. And so we will link them up with someone else that can move them forward if that's sort of where they're 
their stock. We'll look at that as well. I can feel the skepticism already. So how do you have the model set up? I'm not sure how much you're willing to share or able to share, but you know, financially to be sure. able, to be able to see people for over an hour um, is always a challenge in the system. So how are you making that work or what are your thoughts there? So I am just cash based. I don't work with insurance companies. I don't bill insurance companies. Mm -hmm. And is it a package, Julie? Is it X amount for X amount of sessions or is it just session by session? I offer that to Mm -hmm. clients. You know, to be honest, I think by the time some of these clients get to me, I think trust is a a big thing. And and for me to be like, hey, you're going to work with me for 12 sessions and it's going to cost this much. Okay. I think it's really hard for them and, and understandable for them to be like, oh yeah, here, here's some money and they're just right. going to work it over. I, you know, right now I do say to them, listen, this is not a quick fix. This is going to take a year. I make that clear mm-hmm. that this is because we're changing habits and behaviors and, and a lifestyle really. So it's going to take time, but I do let them, I'd like to start them once a week and then how are you doing? Let's try to back off once every other week. You know, I have someone that can do once a month, you know, so it's really, again, very individualized. And right now I'm, I'm doing it that way. I really would love to do it more of like a program and a package. And, you know, this is what I can offer you. Let's do this 12 sessions and, and more, um, maybe interaction with me throughout the week. But again, I don't want to force that on anybody. So I sort of, give them options and then we talk that out to see what they want to do in the beginning and then go from there. Are you doing any traditional PT as far as, you know, manual therapy and massage, manipulation, needling exercise, or is it really more about, um, I don't want to use the word counseling, but really more about that interaction in subjective history taking and goal setting, motivational interviewing. Are you blending these two or or are you really staying on one side? Yeah, no, I'm really trying to incorporate all of that. A lot of what I'm seeing right now is their nervous system is so sensitive and a lot of them are responding great to some nerve glides and some neurodynamics, I guess is the proper term. But yes, adding in some movement and getting them on a program, you know, so it's it's not necessarily the time they're with me, I'm doing things to them. I, I don't do ultrasound. I don't do electric spin. I don't, you know, I don't do things to them. I really want to empower them and give them the confidence that they're able to do this. And, and again, it's just individualized. Yes, some clients are, are going to need, I guess, more some PT. There is some PT involved, I guess, the traditional, but it's more of moving and not, like I said, the modality type type things. Because I, for me, I just feel like they've already done that and it doesn't work. So we really need to be doing something different. A lot of it is, again, that psychosocial, you know, what's in that social part that I think we miss and that I know I missed in the beginning of, of working as a PT. I didn't really ask them their social, who are they hanging out with and, and where are they getting their information from and what are their thoughts? Do they think this is going to get better? Do they... Do they believe that they are going to improve? You know, all those things I think is important. And I think that our thoughts are so powerful, you know, and I really think some of that has turned it around for many of my clients in a way, talking about that in a way that when they're ready. So it can be tricky. Oh, yeah, that's an understatement. Tricky for sure. As you kind of reflect on 
this different way of practicing, you know, you're looking at sleep, you're looking at nutrition, you're looking at psychosocial, you're looking at these different variables that historically we haven't really focused on much in your early Mm -hmm. reflections of going about it this way. What are a couple of things that you have seen really help your patients? So whether that's a certain sleep hygiene intervention or whether it's a certain nutritional change or a certain behavioral change, are there a few things that you're like, boy, I seem to be using this a lot because it's really getting me good results with chronic pain patients. You know, I think that's really helping me is the questioning, that motivational interviewing. Just asking them, what do you think is wrong? It's giving them time to tell their story because I don't know how many clients have come to me the next time they come. They come back, luckily, <laughs> and they're like, I just was happy that you listened to me. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad, really, because I'm thinking, we all just want to be listened to. We all just want to feel heard. I just think our system doesn't allow that. It would be great if it could give people that opportunity to really listen and tell their story and really figure out what's really going on and dig a little deeper. And I think when we dig a little deeper, I'm like, oh, so this makes sense. A couple things that jump out, like I said, is listening to their story, asking them questions so that they can open up more to you and and trust you and build that therapeutic alliance, educating them about pain. When my clients are ready, and most of them, by the time they get to me, they know what I do. So they want to learn and they are so excited and they are, that helps them. Once they understand, they're like, oh my gosh, okay. And, And so they sort of can let some of that anxiety and worry and fear it can just sort of settle a little bit so that they're able to try something different. And I think, and they're willing at this point. If you compare, Julie, how you're enjoying your practice now, what I would call a, a different style or an evolution compared to what you yeah. were doing before, I mean, what, what are the main differences that you feel as a provider? Oh my gosh. The number one thing, I felt this enormous pressure, I think anxiety in myself and overwhelmed that, oh my gosh, I've, I've got to fix this person. What do I got to do? I've got to fix them. And, and when I couldn't, I was so hard on myself. Since changing my mindset on that and changing my focus that, okay, what am I here to do? I, I'm here to coach this person and empower them and give them that their confidence and guide them and support them. That's my role. My role is not to fix them. I think that's really interesting that the PT that we sort of put that much pressure that we're actually going to fix this person when we're only a small part of their world. You know, we only see them for maybe, I don't know, an hour. And, and then what's happening outside of that? You know, like when I look at all these factors that contribute to pain, there's so many factors. So I'm thinking, oh my God, to think that this one treatment would really make that much of a difference. Now for some, maybe, but like I said, I'm seeing individuals that have had this pain for a long, you know, more than six months. Just giving people back that control of their own health if they want to do that and giving them that opportunity. I don't know if we're giving them that opportunity. Well, you need me, right? You need me <laughs> to do well in this life. Don't you, you are truly capable. Let's give you the tools you need and strategies yeah. and you can do that. It is funny you say that, Julie, that we put this pressure on ourselves and, and it's so bizarre that we think that, you know, a couple sets of 30 seconds of posterior glenohumeral glides are really going to solve somebody's ongoing problem. Not that it can't be a, a contributor and not that you can't build a bunch of small things together and have a meaningful effect, but certainly this concept of 
I'm going to come in. I'm going to find what's wrong with you. I'm going to address yeah. it and you're going to be better. Like that is a high pressure scenario. That's not healthy for anybody. It's not healthy for their locus of control. It's not healthy for your mental health because really that obstacle is probably bigger than the tools you have. And I, I think when we adapt this idea of, look, I'm going to come alongside you and, and I'm going to be non-judgmental and I'm going to be a resource and we're going to really hash this bugger out. I think just the overall health of that on everyone's perspective is significantly better. Yeah, I agree. I just think it's cool because you're working with them. I just really enjoyed it. I'm getting to know my clients and I'm learning from them so much. Like, it's just really cool because they're helping me too, you know, and working together. Hey, what do you think about this? And all right. Oh, all right. And what did you find? It's really a collaboration, really. I think people want that. I think there are people that do want that, but they're not ready yet for that type of change because this is a big change, right? Absolutely. Well, Julie, this has been wonderful. And I, I know that a lot of yeah. folks who are, who are thinking about changing their patterns because changing patterns is so hard. You know, we get in one way of doing things and, and we've invested money and time and to think about doing yeah. it, what could be considered kind of a radically different way. I mean, certainly changing the yeah. way you're entering the encounter in your viewpoint is daunting. And I think to hear these stories is wonderful. Do you mind just kind of sharing your, your clinic's name, any social media as far as where folks can reach out to you with a follow-up question and just kind of continue to form our network? Yes, Julie Hughes, Pain Recovery Coach. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I try to do a little of each on there and stay connected with some people through there. And email is really the best way, really, juliepainrecoverycoach at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to talk to anybody. I'm just so thankful for this pain reframe. It's been really, really helpful. What you guys are doing, are, it's just great. It's giving me that energy and momentum to keep going because there's some days that this is challenging. And I think it, should I be doing this, you know, you know, but listening to the podcast and knowing that, yes, this is the way we can really, I think, improve people's lives. So I appreciate all that you're doing as well, bringing on all these different experts on things. So awesome. thank you. Awesome. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Tim and I have a, have a whole host of people planned and Adrian's continuing support has been thank huge. You. So I think the future yeah. of the show and more importantly, the community of, of providers is, is, is really going in the right direction. So it, it's super exciting. Well, well, Julie, thanks so much for giving me some of your time today and sharing the story as we go out there and try to hear others that are actually doing it and enjoying it, you know, and having success and feeling meaning um, is deeply important. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So, and I'm like just starting out here. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe in a few more years, I'll get back on and I have a little more to share with you. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Our second guest is Regina Landris. So I have to say I'm a huge fan and it's just surreal that I'm talking to you on the phone. I had to take 30 seconds and say that. Oh, thank you. Um, so I took an Adrian Lowe's class on how to teach people about pain. I went in as a 19 year old, 19 veteran saying, what is he going to talk to behind about? I've been in the field for 19 years. Needless to say, I was completely blown away. Two weeks later, that was two years ago, two weeks later, I had this patient, Susie, sitting in front of me, chronic pain, the whole thing. So I heard in my little head, okay, Adrian, here we go. I'm the, and all I had was T&E at the time. That's yep. all I had. At the eval, she told me, I feel like a caged animal. I can't even walk a block. And I said, okay, what are your goals? What would happen if we turned off the switch and we can make you, you know, pain-free again? She's like, I, I would like to walk more than a block. That was her goal. So worked with her and all I had was T&E and then the other therapy skills. So I worked with her, peeling the onion, peeling the onion. She ended up telling me that she was an abuse survivor, not only by her mom, but by her former spouse. 
and had a backup plan her entire life, ever since she was, you know, in her teenage years of killing herself. She had a packet of pills in her closet, in her medicine cabinet that she took everywhere with her, and that was her backup plan. When I finished treating her two years ago, she said, this is the first time in my life I don't have a backup plan anymore. Pretty powerful. So then I said, I have to do this TPS thing. I have to go learn more about treating chronic pain. Uh, pain in general. So I went and I went back to Adrian and took that whole six month coursework, became my a therapeutic pain specialist, started reading all the good books, listening to you guys on podcasts, brought her back into the clinic and said, Hey Susie, I'm smarter now. Come back. She had CRPS of her left leg was riddled with pain. Um, she goes, I have good pain, bad pain and unknown pain. And this leg pain was her unknown pain. She hurt everywhere. She felt like she was having marbles under her foot. She has never gotten her GED because she was a young 19-year-old married woman with, you know, by 20, I think she had four kids, worked hard her whole life, became homeless. I mean, just spiraled out of control. So I brought her back in and worked on graded motor imagery, worked on different light touch versus other touch, worked on um, educating her about pain a little bit better than I did the first time around, um, explained why she had pain and just made a remarkable recovery. She stopped by the clinic today to give me her testimonial. She is off of all of her narcotics. She was on two hydro in the morning, two tramadol at noon, and two hydro at night. And I think 3,200 milligrams of gabapentin. She is now off all of the narcotics, except she's weaning slowly off of the gabapentin. She has gone back to school to get her GED. She's almost done with that. She is volunteering in the community, um, had high anxiety prior to therapy. um, And she said, told me today, she goes, this is the first time that I have friends in my whole life. um, And I get to go out and do things with them. She has a boyfriend that she's pretty serious about. She is going to plans when she gets her GED is to go back and get her degree in medical coding so she can be a productive citizen. She's washing her own clothes, doing her own dishes. She is completely pain-free. You know, she always thought she walked on marbles and I finally got to the point where I could touch her foot because she was so hot with her CRPS that I said, all right, no, let's feel this foot and let's feel the other foot and came back. She's like, those are my joints. "Mm, Yep. She goes, I don't have marbles in my foot. No, you don't, Susie. It's just really cool that you have this person whose only goal is to walk a block telling you she was a caged animal and she's a vibrant member of society going back to school and she's excited because she has friends for the first time in her life and she has no backup plan and she goes, I'm proud of myself. I've never been proud of myself. So, Mm. Regina, as you look back at her case, I mean, were there certain really key breakthroughs, whether that was pieces of education or, or homework that you gave her or, or interventions, were there certain things that really got you over a hump? The one of them was light touch. This is, and I, I got a piece of cotton and I started where she was. Her sensation was normal and tried to get into that CRPS foot. This is Abby's fur. Her dog's name is Abby. So I kept reiterating, this is Abby's fur. And I finally got to her foot. And that just made so much sense to her that oh, my sensation is different. And then I'd have to have her feel the cotton ball because she thought it was felt like 50 grit sandpaper. And then she could feel it with her hand. And then I'd bring it back to her foot. And I said, this is the same. This is light touch. And she needed that brain connection of, hey, it's light touch in my hand. It should be light touch in my foot too. So that really helped. And then the 48 ion, our ion channels that they pop in and out, 
was a lifesaver. She's like, all right, 48 hours. I'm going to feel better. I can get through this. I don't need my meds. And for her, it's in 48 hours and I'll be better. Like, okay. So cool. Did you guys ever go through any graphesthesia or, or work on, on any two point discrimination? Was that ever a, par- a part I, of her component? Graphesthesia was, I did not do two point discrimination just because I had so, so much success with the other avenues that I didn't need to address that. Mm-hmm. Cool. But one day she, she loves having her fingernails painted and, but deathly afraid you couldn't even sit next to her before she tucked her feet up under the chair because she was so afraid of someone touching her feet. And one day I brought in a bottle of purple toenail polish and I knew her, she liked the color purple and we were working on some T&E education and I painted her toenails. She was like, I said, so why can't you go and get a pedicure like you've always wanted? And she's like, I have purple toes. And, and that was such a highlight for her to have painted toenails because she thought she could never go have a pedicure. But I, I printed images off of the internet with you know, feet in stilettos and feet in ice water and feet on sand. And, you know, at first she could only look at it and she'd cringe. And by the end she could look at it and go, yeah, I'm fine with that picture. So did you give her homework to sort of some exposure and have her look at those photos? Yep. I gave her homework to look at those photos. I gave her people magazines to work on laterality because Mm -hmm. she needed a lot of work in laterality. I had her write her story. And first it was two paragraphs of, you know, the horrible things she's been through her life with, depression and being homeless and abuse and CRPS and all of these ugly things. I said, all right, now make it one paragraph, but include recovery and then make it two sentences, include recovery. And when she got it to two sentences, I made her tell me, and then I made her tell my PTA out in the the gym. And then I made her tell my secretary and then I made her tell the office staff. And I, you know, made her say that out loud to different people. And slowly she just got this air of confidence about her and like, I got this, I can do this. And then so when she cool. graduated, I laminated all the cards or all the pictures I had found on the internet with, you know, cold feet and everything. And I laminated it for her and I gave it to her. That is awesome. Well, Regina, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You know, I, I think that this episode has been a cool sort of collection of, of small wins, or in this case, a big win uh, over a long yeah. period of time. I find her on Facebook and I send her, you know, Facebook Messenger so it's more private and say, hey, keep up the good work. You're doing great, you know, because I'm, I'm not going to let this girl fail. So awesome. So awesome. Do you mind leaving your email in case listeners want to reach out and maybe learn more about that case or, or just chat? I can be found at Regina, R-E-G-I-N-A dot Landrus, L-A-N-D-R-U-S at BigStoneTherapies.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the story. Thank you. Well, we sure hope you all enjoyed that. Really appreciate you listening. And it's so fun to hear that the creative ways that the individuals are incorporating these messages into their practice and into their lives. So thanks everyone for following and really appreciate the support. You know, this episode came directly from people engaging with us on Facebook and on social media. So please make sure you keep doing that. Make sure you check out ispinstitute.com for all their courses. The Align Conference is over, but it's going to come back again next year. So be ready for that. Just so much great stuff going on. Thanks everyone for being a part. Thanks for all the sharing and the reviews and let's just keep going, keep building the community and we're going to have more and more of these success stories down the road. Take care all. Pain Reframed is brought to you by our sponsor, the International Spine and Pain Institute. Check out their transformative pain science programming at ispinstitute.com.